Welcome to the AIM Horsemanship Podcast. From science-based horse training and behaviour to just connecting and having fun with our horses in general. I'm always learning so I hope you enjoy coming along for this horsemanship journey with me. Today I want to talk a little bit about um, greedy trainer syndrome um, and trainer conditioning. Pretty much everyone who's worked with animals or even people maybe has probably like experienced this at some point. Um, I mean yeah it's really hard to avoid especially when you first start training because we're always thinking about how learning theory is working on the animal. A lot of the time we're not thinking about learning theory with the human. And obviously when we're getting a desired outcome, it's very, very reinforcing for the human. And that, obviously because reinforcement increases behaviour, um, makes us want to keep doing it. Let's start by talking about trainer conditioning in general. So we often find trainer conditioning is very makes it very hard for people to stop wanting to train, train traditionally. Because, um, because obviously when you're training traditionally, you're getting the outcomes that you want a lot of the time. Not all the time, and obviously it's very problematic, and um, and I mean, I don't want to be biased, but um, it does have its problems that can come with it. Um, but a lot of the time, it is getting the trainer the desired result. So if the trainer puts their leg on the horse, and the horse moves forwards, and then they release it, which is obviously negative reinforcement, um, pressure and release, I guess, um, then that is reinforcing the human. Because the behaviour for the human is putting the leg on the horse, and then the consequence for the human is the desired outcome when the horse moves forwards. Um, so that is where we start to get the antecedent behaviour consequence, and the trainer actually be- experiences some conditioning, which kind of trains them into wanting to keep using whatever's giving them the desired result. Um, unless of course they have concerns of ethicality and or behavioural problems and all that stuff um, but a lot of the time it's not always as simple as you know putting the leg on the horse and getting the desired result a lot of the time it can get to the point where people are kind of using escalating pressure and other kind of things which get them the desired result um, however oftentimes when people do manage to overcome this conditioning and for whatever reason they decide to switch to lima based training and force free so once the person often makes the decision to switch and they're starting to train with r plus um so obviously they're not necessarily getting the desired outcome straight away because start with they might have to really lower their criteria and often that's when you're just teaching you know default neutral or food manners some people call it or whatever whatever you choose to call it um a lot of the time you're just teaching I mean, at the start, you're just kind of loading the click and teaching what that means, and then you're kind of, um, like I said, teaching default neutral, and then maybe you're just teaching a bit of head down and walk on and stay, and obviously that's really exciting um, to be able to do that completely force-free and uh, at liberty and really reinforcing. Um, but obviously at first, the humans had to lower their criteria quite a lot. Um, so they might not be doing all the high energy work that they were doing before um, or they might not be doing um, everything that they want to do with the horse because they know that in order to get to that stage you're going to have to work back up using say positive reinforcement if we're using that in this context Um, 
So, a lot of the time when people start training, they maybe don't have such high expectations, or maybe they do, but the horse will be giving them obviously a little bit of the desired behaviour because we're using a shaping plan or shaping behaviour. So um, if we're shaping the behaviour, then we're going to start off by setting the animal up for success, hopefully, or capturing, but I mean, yeah, set them up for success in order to capture a little bit of the desired behaviour. So say, for example, we want to teach default neutral, we might set them up in a position, for example, with their head over a stable or over a fence or just standing quietly, whatever is suitable for the individual horse. Um, and then we're going to capture that behaviour and we're going to reward it. Um, and obviously straight away the horse doesn't necessarily understand. But eventually you shape the behaviour by gradually asking for a little bit more each time and reinforcing the desired behaviour so that the animal eventually learns through operant conditioning um, the desired behaviour, which is to stay in default neutral. Same with, say, if you're teaching head down. You might um, set the animal up for success by setting a target on the ground and then you reward them for lowering their head to the target and then you're gradually going to ask them to keep their head down a bit more and then you're going to do a cue transfer and introduce your cue and then eventually you're going to take the target away and have them lowering their head just from your hand cue or voice cue alone or whatever cue you decide to use. Um, so obviously for the human, whenever they um, cue a behaviour and get the desired outcome, we've got the antecedent behaviour consequence that are also happening for the human because their behaviour is causing a desired outcome. Um, and the reinforcement for them is the desired outcome from the horse. Um, so obviously, if you're training something, say for example, a horse picking their feet up and you've been working on it for a really long time and then all of a sudden you have a bit of a breakthrough and they're offering their foot for a bit more duration, then this is super reinforcing to the human. So in the human's brain, even subconsciously, reinforcement drives behaviour. So they are going to see an increase in their behaviour of cueing um, the hoof up, or at least they're going to want to. I mean, their brain's going to want to cue that more. Um, so they might start cueing foot up a bit more than, you, than the horse would like. So they might start raising criteria too quickly or asking for a bit too much for the horse. Uh, a bit too much from the horse. Um, so yeah, they might be asking too much. Say, for example, the horse was able to keep their foot up for three seconds and then the human's going to keep cueing this and then eventually they're going to start asking for four seconds and then six seconds and so on until the horse... Maybe he wasn't quite ready for that yet. Um, obviously, there's often times where the horse is ready for that and that's where shaping comes in and where we do need to increase criteria. Um, but if the horse isn't ready for that and the human's just asking for more and more, or if the horse is scared especially um, to continue with behaviour, that's so we can start to see some frustration or extinction creeping in. Um, and the animal maybe gets a bit upset. And then if we see this happening on a regular basis, then some conditioning can occur for the horse. So they can start to think... Um, you know, they don't really like... As soon as you start raising criteria, you might find their emotional resilience really decreases because they remember, like, they're like, oh, last time... Obviously, this isn't their conscious process, but they're like, oh, last time the trainer started raising criteria, it was really difficult and I didn't understand it and it was really stressful. So as soon as you start raising criteria, all those feelings of frustration and extinction and overwhelm can sort of come flooding back for the animal. Um, 
so that's where you might start to get stuck in training ruts in other parts of your training obviously training ruts aren't always caused by greedy trainer syndrome um but a lot of the time you can sort of get in a stagnant stagnant sort of place where it's like you keep asking the animal for more and the animal just keeps shutting down because they can't give any more they're not ready they're too scared they don't understand or the rate of reinforcement's not high enough or you know the behavior just hasn't been built up to that stage yet um so the animal just shuts down or just experiences extinction and gets frustrated um and then when that happens regularly as i said i'm just kind of repeating that now um then you can start to get stuck in training rats and other like even if you just ask for a little bit of behavior then um the horse will immediately sort of be like no i don't like this is all this feelings of frustration and anxiety and extinct like just all this negative feelings of not quite understanding will come back um so you know i'm going to give a human example here so say you go into a maths class and you start off and you know the teacher's asking you some nice easy questions you understand them the teacher's teaching you the skills you need they're gradually increasing how difficult the questions are and you're getting the questions right because you know you understand you have all the skills you need and then the teacher starts to think ah okay they've got it so they give you harder questions that you don't quite have the skill level for um and you can't do the questions you just you don't understand or you know it's just too overwhelming so you might just sort of shut down and after trying and maybe getting frustrated and experiencing extinction you might then give up on the questions and then the next time you come into the session in the maths class you know it starts off nice and easy again you're getting all the questions right and then as soon as you start getting some harder ones right the teacher just completely overwhelms you by asking for even more you know even more difficult questions um then at that point you're gonna go oh this happened last time i couldn't do it last time i got really upset so you just immediately all those feelings come back and you just completely lose faith in your ability and you kind of maybe give up on the questions because you don't want to go through all the frustration that you did last time and the next time you go into the maths lesson you already have those feelings of frustration fresh from last time um and maybe the teacher says do you want to try some questions and you just go no I, i'm really i can't do math it's too difficult for me i never understand it. it and it always makes me upset so you just refuse to do the questions you know that is often what can happen with animals especially i see this quite a lot um when people first start clicker training i mean honestly a lot of people do this i i myself probably included um is what's really reinforcing for the human a lot of the time is the more sort of high energy work so if every time you get the horse out you're like okay you've got a strong foundation now let's do some high energy work and it's a lot of effort for the horse and you know it gets more difficult every time you're asking for more and more energy and more and more more and more duration in the behavior and all of that then it can sort of become this stagnant place where either the horse will you ask for more energy and they'll just go you know what every time you ask me for more energy it's never good enough you just ask for more and more obviously this is anthropomorphic and i'm just trying to make this understandable um in human terms because obviously the animal doesn't think exactly like this but you know there are more similarities than we often think so sometimes it's helpful to sort of see it as a as an example that we would understand um so the horse as soon as you ask them to train they're immediately thinking i'm going to be asked to do loads of difficult stuff i'm not going to understand it it's going to get harder and harder i'm not going to do it you know 
And that can happen, for example, with uh, separation anxiety is a common one, or like trying to walk them out and hack them out, is you'll get to a certain stage and you're like, oh, it's going really well, they keep, they keep going further and further, let's ask for a bit more, and the horse gets a bit anxious, and you keep asking for a bit more until they're just on the brim of their threshold and they can't go any further. And if you keep doing that every time, eventually the horse goes, you know what, every time, every time she asks me to walk out, I get to the point where I just can't do it, it's too anxiety-inducing. So they just, they just associate it with all that anxiety and difficulty, and they eventually will sort of get stuck in this rut where it's really difficult to get out of once you've, got, once you've done it a few times, because it sort of, in a way, gets built into a behavioural loop. Um, so... I think I've kind of discussed it now. I'm going to listen back to this bit and see if I think I've explained sort of what I'm trying to explain here with greedy trainer syndrome and the effects on the animal and why we do it. And then I'm going to explain a bit about sort of the solutions and what to do if you feel yourself sort of getting to this stage. Because obviously when you are training and you're starting to experience success, all these feel-good chemicals start flooding around your brain and you you want to keep training and you want to keep getting those behaviours. Um... So, you know, it, it can be, you can be very subconscious. You don't realise you're doing it. You just think you're having a great session. And then pretty soon your horse just goes, no, this is too much. This is too frustrating. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go back and listen to this a second. And then I'll sort of speak about the solutions. Okay, so here's my tip for solutions. If ever I start to notice that I'm starting to get to the stage where I'm asking a little bit too much. And, you know, I'm getting loads of success. The horse... So, for example, I had a little example the other day. Um, I'm doing some hoof training with Penny. And it got to the stage where she was able to lift her foot up and hold it on the target for a few seconds at a time. Completely voluntarily. Just just from the cue. With no pressure. Um, not even with me, like, running my hand down on her leg. Like, because obviously it's taking a long time for us to rebuild this behaviour. So, for a lot of horses, that might not be a big deal. But for Penny, who has a really really big amount of trauma with having her feet handled and she often goes to rear so um that was a really massive milestone and I was like oh my goodness she's doing it and obviously a lot of feel-good chemicals flooding around your brain and it's just telling me to keep queuing it because you know I'm getting the desired outcome let's keep doing what's getting the desired outcome you know so I keep repeating the cue and asking for a little bit more and then I started to think, oh no, we're going down the slippery slope of just asking more and more from her. This is going to end with her becoming frustrated or upset. So then I just stopped. And this is what I'd, I personally would recommend doing if you find yourself in this situation. Is to stop asking for more. Go back and ask for a few easy repetitions just to end on a good note. And then I, I just end the session there. And then I go away and I think about a shaping plan and how to progress and gradually raise criteria without um, causing frustration or getting stuck in a training rut. Um, so, yeah, that's my advice for that. It's honestly just as soon as you start to feel it going that way, I just stop, do a few easy repetitions. So what I did after this was I did a few repetitions of head down because um, that's really relaxing for Penny. And then I did, okay, on one side, I queued foot up as soon as she lifted it, click and reward. And then I did the same on the other side and I ended the session there. Um, and then obviously that's not something I'm going to do every time because I do need to gradually increase criteria and increase duration and start getting her feet up for some longer amounts of time so they can eventually be trimmed at liberty. Oh gosh, sorry, I just almost tripped over. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's what I'd recommend doing. And... Um, 
even though you can think, you know, I don't want this to become a pattern, I don't want every time I start asking for too much for them to just stop and for me to just give up, you know? So in order to prevent it from getting to that stage, as soon as you start feeling yourself asking for more and more, that's when I like to stop there and take a breather. And in a way, that reinforces the good repetitions of the behaviour. So I spoke about this in episodes before on secondary reinforcers and tertiary reinforcers and non-food-based reinforcers as well. Um, So a lot of the time you can cue a behaviour that the horse already knows, it's already... Um, already sort of intrinsically rewarding for them. I guess maybe it's extrinsically rewarding because because they're being motivated by an extrinsic source. But um, you know um, so for example, the connection training. Hannah and Weston from Connection Training have a video where they are training a horse to um lift its back feet. I think lift his back feet, and as a reward for lifting his back feet, they ask him to lift up his front feet because he knows that behaviour really well. And it's really confidence building for him. And it's really rewarding for him to do that behaviour. Um, so a lot of the time, if you, like, say, for example, I'm getting really good repetitions with Penny's feet. Or, you know, say you're dealing with separation anxiety and you've got a bit further away than you usually would. Um, and then at that point, if you think, start to think, OK, I don't want to ask for too much. And then you go back and do a few easy repetitions. Then the easy repetitions are actually going to reward the good repetition, if that makes sense. So if I kept asking for more after she'd already done a good repetition, that would kind of be, in a way, punishing the good repetition, negatively punishing because there's a removal of the reward that she expects for doing that behaviour when I'm asking for a bit more. Um, Whereas if I'm going to go back and ask for something easy and reinforce that, then that in itself is a reward for um, the good repetition. Obviously, I still use a primary reinforcer. but um, And then the next time you come back to... to I can't speak today. It's because it's so cold and I'm trying to muck out at the same time. Um, But the next time you come back to train the same behaviour, you'll often find that latent learning has caused the behaviour to become even more strong, especially because the horse remembers. Last time I did this behaviour, I tried a bit harder. It was really good. It was really rewarding. And then we got to go back and do some easy stuff, which was even more rewarding. Um, And they end on a good note. So the behaviour is often even stronger when you come back. Um, So yeah, that's my tip for when you start to feel yourself asking for more and more and when you want to make sure that you don't overwhelm the horse. Um, So yeah, this is kind of a short episode today. Uh, I know I didn't go completely into depth. Maybe I will in future. I just, it was just fresh on my mind. um, And I just wanted to make a quick episode about it. Um, It really is applicable to all kinds of situations. Like I said, for example separation anxiety or training a horse to go out on walks or hacks because oftentimes that's where you'll start asking the horse to go further and further and that's where you can sort of get stuck at this place where they don't want to go any further um so that is all i have to say on that for today and like i said i'll probably go in more depth in future but i hope this was helpful or resonated with you in some way Thanks for listening to the Aim Horsemanship podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you want to find out more about um, my horses and me, you can find me on Instagram at um, underscore.a.i.m. underscore horsemanship underscore. And on YouTube at capital A-I-M and then lowercase horsemanship. And also on Facebook, capital A-I-M space lowercase horsemanship. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it. And I hope to see you tuning in next time.